Hello and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. This week, we are bringing you a special Patreon episode for free. A quick note, when Danny talks about Mike Herrera doing a cover, it is Goldfinger's Superman. We did go ahead and edit some of this down just for quality, content, and length. So if you enjoy what you hear, be sure to go over to patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod and hear the full episode. We'll be back next week with an all new episode where we discuss Kojak. So sit back and enjoy this week as we answer the very timely question of, is it cake? So yes, this week we're talking, this week, this episode (laughs) of Patreon, we are talking about Reliant K's cover of The Distance, originally recorded by Cake um, for... I had this up and I lost it. Hold on. I have the song wiki up. So do I. Oh, you do? Yeah. So let me see that real quick because I wanted to say this Fashion first. Nugget. Fashion Nugget. You're my fashion nugget. So this was released in 1996. It was the second single from Cake's second album, Fashion Nugget. And I remember this being a really big hit. I remember this being all over the radio in 1996. I don't think in 1996 you paid a lot of attention to mainstream music and the radio, right? Um, if it was not on, like, I, what were my mom listened to oldies and my dad listened to jazz. So if it wasn't one of those two things, because I had not, I don't think Radio Disney was out yet, or at least I hadn't discovered it at that time. So This is a song that probably could have played on Radio Disney. Maybe. So this is definitely a um, a very specific song that could only really be big in the time between grunge and pop punk you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there's that certain period where you where where basically i think mainstream rock radio was trying to figure out where its identity yeah so you had weird things in the mid 90s like the verve and the verve pipe and any other (laughs) band with the word verve in it and you had bands like cake and uh semi-sonic you had this kind of like pop rock that was like no longer as heavy as grunge but not yet as like could you throw a weezer in there i mean weezer definitely because weezer comes from the tail end of the grunge era mm-hmm. i would say but it's kind of weird and it's got its own weezer probably weezer probably is in the venn diagram of this type of yeah soft alternative rock i'm talking about and the heavier grunge era of the early to slightly mid-90s. So maybe Weezer's a little bit of a transition. So, And I also always, always thought of Cake as a band that has probably a very specific cult following. Like, I'm sure they... Mm-hmm. I believe they have a very specific fan base and people who love them and for whom Cake is, like, the band. Jessica's pointing at herself like that. Sorry. No, no, no. I was... Oh. Um, I have a rip in my shirt. I was oh, pointed at that, pointing okay. that. I was just. I thought you were. Point- I was playing with my skin through my weird rip in my sh- shirt. <laughs> Sorry. No, I th- and then I thought you were pointing at yourself like me. No. I'm the big cake fan. You're not though. I am not. So I think Cake is a band that has a very particular, like. This happy- is a jam. Like yeah, I, I, I enjoy this. They have a very particular happy-go-lucky sort of college, but not necessarily college like white collar like following like a band like they might be giants but i think they might be giants have a huge following and a very or a huge cult i don't know that cake has this that size of a cult but yeah they're they're also like very particular but yeah this you like so you like the song mm-hmm. you had never heard this song until when though the first time I heard this song was when Danny said we were picking out songs for our wedding, and this was the song he chose to do for Retrieving the Garter. Yes, and I don't remember being the one to pick it, but I did. I just don't. Yeah. I don't specifically I was, remember. Like, how I remember I came up you. With br- it. I don't know how you came up with it, but you brought it to me, and I was like, I have no idea what this is. I've never yeah. heard of this, and you were like, No, this is great. It totally works, and I was like, Okay, cool. And I think I went and listened to it because I was super particular about the, the garter music. Belt's supposed to be the sexy moment, <laughs> right? For the wedding at for the wedding public you know what i mean for like everyone watches oh he's getting the garter belt so to say he's going the distance it's funny (laughs) so um danny was very nervous about about doing it he was very embarrassed and shy yes 
<laughs> but you know, then, some guys really play it up and like get into it. But then I did kind of play it up. You did a little I bit. I started off shy. End. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm like. I've I, been to some weddings though where guys do like crazy. Yeah, they're like, stuff. I'm going to get yeah. you, woman. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that. I was very no. shy and respectful. But then at the end. You, at the, you were good Christian I babies. started taking it off your leg <laughs> with my hands. <laughs> my leg! You took my whole leg off? No, I started taking it off of your leg. Oh, sorry. Which is what I said. I started taking the garter belt off of your leg with my hand. But then at the last second, and mostly I did it to make you laugh, I went for it. I grabbed it with my teeth. You did. And I pulled it off with your, te- <laughs> with your teeth, with my teeth. And But then what happened... It happens, was already like an appropriate distance down my leg right, by the time he did that, right. though. But I, th- I, did, I did fling up your dress a little bit just right. to like just to like make you feel awkward but not so much that you were scared or anything <laughs> like oh no but what happened next was when i did the toss the garter belt toss because i didn't really know this bef- before our wedding but the garter belt maybe i kind of knew this but not really because it's not in movies as much as the bouquet right the garter belt is the male version i don't of think the it's a garter belt it's just like a, a garter saying, belt a garter belt is like oh, that like the like I sexy garter lingerie like oh. 1940s hook your your sorry uh, for the confusion your stockings up. what's it called then it's just a garter garter it's just called a garter i've heard the phrase garter belt more than i've heard the phrase garter well that's because you so read was, a lot of fan fiction no it's not <laughs> <laughs> let the let she with the first to throw stones <laughs> So, okay, sorry, the garter. I keep saying garter belt because that's just like muscle memory. Like I've, that's a phrase I've heard more often from movies right. and stuff. Okay, sorry, the garter. So I wasn't aware of this, but the the garter toss is the male version of the bouquet toss. Right. So I throw the bouquet, I throw the garter. And, and there's supposed there's, to be some sort of like mythology that the guy that catches the garter maybe gets to be with the girl who caught the bouquet or some nonsense that some people have them do a dance like it just depends on how your wedding we is. just decided it was that whoever catches it is like the next one to get married like the right bouquet like the thing. bouquet yeah and then i had our wedding there's two things happening there's two particular couples at our wedding there is my sister and her boyfriend who is not yet her fiance and there is jessica and i in real life have a maybe we'll talk about her some other time it'll be distracting to talk all about her now but we have a friend in real life who is a porn star like a straight up like actual not just like a not just like an amateur porn actress but an actual like porn star like at what is it avgn or what is it called what and that's not right what is <laughs> the angry video game nerd <laughs> awards she's a, she's, she's like an, an adult, adult award she's a known entity and she's, she was also at our wedding because and just and just to backstory again she would be like i said to talk too much about her would be a huge <laughs> distraction but jessica met her at a time in her life when she was trying to go straight not me the our porn star friend our porn star friend <laughs> met jessica when our porn star friend was trying to go straight and no longer be in porn and she wasn't talking about her porn career right she wasn't talking anything about it but she hired jessica as like a production assistant or something i was the uh i i got hired by her originally to be a makeup artist on a pilot for a reality show she was shooting and then when we came back the second time to do that which is when i learned what her actual job was she hired me as her production coordinator because she was not being forthcoming to people that she just met about who she what her background because she was trying to go legitimate exactly until her management said hey you're never going to sell this pilot unless you acknowledge who you are exactly because she was the host yeah and, and acknowledge that you're a porn star who's working in legitimate reality television now or whatever so that's when we learned who she was and we were like oh this makes so much more sense because she had like an amazing new york apartment (laughs) she lived on like the she legit lived on like the 42nd story of the building right next to the empire state building and i was like wow and she was in her like late 30s then money or something i'm just like we assumed it had to be something we couldn't it couldn't we were so naive never assumed never thought it no i just thought she was this funny like Clearly had like a worldly woman who who made a lot of dirty jokes. She completely went over my head. And then I brought Danny on for the second round of shooting and he drove the vans, like the the, right. the gear vans around the city for her. And it was at the meeting for that one when she said who she was, and Danny and I just kinda of look at each other and go, Oh <laughs> So anyway <laughs> We'll talk we could talk more Super about nice. that. Super nice. We could talk yeah, about Yeah, we her, talk but... more about that some other time. 
but she's at her wedding with just a date. Yeah. Like, not a boyfriend or anything, just a date. So, you've got my sister's future fiancé, future, future ex-husband, <laughs> and you've got this guy who's there with a porn star, and they literally duked it out. Like you would think, one of them had a like one of them had a and gun. My and my drunk other- cousin also got involved in this somehow because I think he just got tied up in things. Because like- I don't think because no, I don't think any of the other guys who were ready to catch the garter knew that these two were like in their heads, like fuck everyone else. I'm getting yeah. that fuck garter belt. Yeah. So they didn't know it was because it was Danny's a wall- sister the caught the yeah, bouquet. Right. So they didn't know it was the immovable object meeting the whatever the is, the immovable object meeting an unstoppable force. They didn't know these two were butting heads to get that gar- to get that garter, and that neither of them was going to give it up. So they both end up with it in their hands, and then they're wrestling for it, like one of them has a gun, and if they don't wrestle the other one away from it, the so other guy's going to die. Like literally, so their life weird. counted on it. There was a little boy who was our ring bearer yes. who started crying because he was a friend. He was caught into it because your ex brother-in-law whatever he is now, now decided to carry him into this fight with him because he, he was it'd be playing cute. with him yeah oh boy oh. they went the distance <laughs> so we have a very particular memory of this song and we had seen it <laughs> and a much lesser personal memory of this song is that we had seen Reliant K play this song live and I don't remember I feel like we've talked about this before when we talk about those Revenge shows we went to, but it was either 2009 and 10 or 2010 and 11 because we went two years in a row. Yeah, I don't remember. So I don't, I don't remember. But one of those shows, one of those two Revgen New Jersey Christian festivals we went to, they played the distance, and you know they both mats played the trumpet and everything. Um, I guess I don't remember the setup. Of, um, we might have pictures of them actually playing that. I, yeah, I do. I'm pretty I sure. The, I have both. The, hang on, I'm pretty sure Tyson, right you look that up while I say this. I'm pretty sure Tyson put down his guitar and did not go to the piano and just stood at the mic and held his trumpet and played the trumpet when it was called on. I know Hoops also played trumpet, but I can't remember if he let his guitar sling down and played guitar when he wasn't playing trumpet. That's the only thing I don't remember. Because if you have Warren playing bass and you have Schneck on guitar, then you've probably got enough for the song, right? Maybe Hoops played guitar as well. That's the only thing I'm curious about. If you find those pictures... I have them on our on our uh, shared Google Drive. Okay. So, um, yeah, so... And we'll get into, because I'm follow because we're ripping off, the, as I said last time with the baby follow-up, the second part of the baby episode, we're taking the format of Punk Goes Pod... And we're going to talk about cake first. Yeah. So Hoops has an acoustic guitar still slung around. While he's playing him. the trumpet. Yeah. Okay. So Hoops is... So when we saw them at RevGen... Oh, and is there a date on this? Go back to the Google Drive. Oh, yeah. Oh, nine. September 5th, 2009. So Okay. So September 5th, 2009, we saw Reline K play this song. And they... Yeah. So you got Hoops on acoustic guitar. You got Tyson only singing and playing trumpet. Hoops also picks up a trumpet when he needs to. And then I guess John, John, and Ethan are just doing their thing. Um, it's kind of funny, and I don't feel like looking at the whole K for Karaoke track list right now. But this is one of the like few songs, if not the only one on K for Karaoke, that I know they played consistently live. Like, they played it most of 2009 in this tour. And then it made its way to case for karaoke whereas a lot most of the other songs are just songs they kind of like decided on in the studio mm-hmm. and they've played so many other consistent covers like the office theme and back yeah. when you had brian and dave in the band they would play we built the city on rock and roll because they played the office theme at the same show right and they used to play lose yourself the yeah. m&m song and none of those ended up on case for karaoke mm-hmm. but for some reason they played this song live. It's got to be like a rights thing. Like what they could and could not cover based on I the label so, or something like, maybe. I think that those kind of rights are relatively cheap. Mm. From what I understand, like when you yeah, buy the publishing comparatively. rights. Yeah, when you buy the publishing rights of a song. When you buy the, not the publishing rights. When you buy the right to publish a cover. I've heard, I heard about it recently. I, th- I think I heard about it on my Carrera podcast because MXPX has done so many covers in the last two years and my Carrera mm-hmm. solo acoustic has done so many covers. 
he was talking to his manager on his podcast and some cover they did was like 75 bucks or something. Oh, wow. Or was it someone else? Got, well, Greg from This Might Be a Podcast also talked about... That's it. <laughs> uh, uh, it wasn't my career. Doing Dr. Worm. That's it. That, that, if that only cost him 75 bucks to make sure he got the real correct rights to cover Dr. Worm. And that's so cheap. My career was talking to his manager about all their covers, but they did not talk about the price point to do those covers. Um, anyway, so I don't think it's that sort of thing. Although, you know what? I do remember... Now, Mike Carrera and his manager were talking, and this was at the beginning of the pandemic, and they've had all of these tracks already recorded, and one of them was a cover, and, like, the rights people in the publishing house that own this song, they just, like, weren't getting back to them with the rights. Like, they, like, Mm -hmm. put in the application, they sent Mm -hmm. them the fee or whatever, and they weren't getting it back. I don't think that song's come out yet. Oh. Do you know which one it was? No, I'm not sure now. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway... So, Cake. Cake. So you had never really heard of Cake. But what, Danny, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did we choose to do this K is for Karaoke song? Let's mention this 25 minutes into this episode. I don't remember. Is it Cake? Right. Is this Cake or is it Reliant K? It's been like two weeks. Is this Cake (laughs) or is this Reliant K? When we decided on this earlier in, in July, that's when the is it Cake meme was happening where all those like cakes that were made to look like real Other objects things, yeah yes. and then you see someone cut into it so is this cover cake this, this already is like not not relevant anymore no that's just how 2020 works yeah <laughs> i so, mean that's how internet culture works in general right <laughs> so is this song cake yes technically it is and cake was formed in 1991 in sacramento Ooh. california Following the self-release of their debut album, Motorcade of Generosity, the band was signed to Capricorn Records in 1995. They released their first single, Rock and Roll Lifestyle, which, never heard of it, which hit number 35 <laughs> on the modern rock charts and was featured on MTV's 120 Minutes. I recently told you what 120 Minutes was. Yeah. It was basically the farm team for MTV. It was this two-hour block. Didn't you put on, put on the year in review for one of the years Yeah, like I that? put on yeah. the best of 1995 or 94. I can't remember which one, but there's a whole... Well, if you would put 96, this song <laughs> might just have been on there. Right. It was probably 94 because they were Siamese Dream. Uh, si- uh, I don't remember what they played, Cherub Rock or Smashing Pumpkins was on there playing something from Siamese Dream. And I also picked it because They Might Be Giants was on there playing something. I don't remember. But anyway, 120 Minutes, if you never heard of it, because Jessica hadn't, was this two-hour block on the weekends where it was basically like any sort of up-and-coming alternative sort of like, like basically like college rock, like not super popular yet band, up-and-coming bands would get played in this two-hour block. And, And like... MXPX got played on there, Supertones got played on there. Like basically like bands that had national attention but maybe weren't like Was that big the underground scene played. at the underground show? It was. But the bands that weren't big enough to be consistently playing MTV. And of course bands will graduate from 120 minutes like Smashing Pumpkins and Nine Inch Nails actually started on 120 minutes and graduated and became a big MTV band in the nineties. And I guess Cake did as well. So Cake started 120 minutes and they got to I'm think the distance probably played on MTV all the time. Although I watched this video and I did not remember, I had n- no memory of this video. I, I forgot to tell you to watch the video, but I watched it. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah, so Cake, I'll read more about their history, but Cake is a band that is this specific kind of college rock that I have no interest really in. They remind me, first of all, their whole aesthetic of their sort of like funky thing, but with the flat monotone vocal stylings. Mm -hmm. Sure, that is their thing, but there are other bands from the same time that did that. Bloodhound Gang and Soul Coughing were two other bands. And it's this sort of like not hip hop, but rap influence. Like, you could argue that like, rap metal and rap rock bands like I'm talking about something different now Limp Biscuit, Corn, Rage Against the Machine. You could argue that those bands are hip hop rock groups, right? Cuz hip hop is the culture. 
And those type of bands like Limp Bizkit and P.O.D., sure, they're rock and they're metal bands, but they have elements of the culture of hip-hop in their work. Mm -hmm. But when you take Bloodhound, Bloodhound Gang and Soul Coughing and Cake, which are also which are rap rock, but they're not hip-hop rap rock. They're just rock bands with rapping, but there's no pretense that they are in any way influenced by hip-hop. I guess Bloodhound Gang is maybe a little bit more influenced by hip-hop, the culture, but so, but these three bands I'm talking about is this sort of white guy rapping over sort of funky music. I'm only vaguely familiar with Bloodhound Gang out of those names because I used to really love Viva La Bam, right. and like they were in an episode. They were the <laughs> do it like we do on the Discovery Channel people. Oh, okay. And they weren't the people that came up with this saying, but we don't need no water the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let oh, the yeah, yeah. Burn. And so Bloodhound Gang is, it was probably more influenced by hip hop. But when I think of Bloodhound Gang and the singles that I know, I don't think of them as being a hip hop rap rock group. But I think of Cake as, Cake is technically in a way rap influenced. They have rapping, but they, I don't think you would ever mistake them as a hip hop rock group or ever call them rap rock. So it's this even more whitewashed version of rap rock where it's just like we kind of have slightly even like even like nerdcore which is like the white one of the whitest forms of and I'm, and I know that there there are black nerdcore rappers but I'm just saying when you got like MC Chris and MC Front a lot and people who are ra- rapping about Star Wars and Nintendo and stuff it's like one of the whitest forms of hip hop <laughs> it is still hip it is still legen- legitimately hip hop influenced white rock cake is even more gentrified rap in a way to me danny took me to see mc chris on a really early date i did yeah yeah i was more interested in him because because of like the whole uh adult swim connection and stuff mm. yeah but i really like that dungeon master of ceremonies album it's very of a certain time 2006 it's a very 2006 album but i like that album or like the song that was in Zach and Mary Make a Porno. Right. Everyone likes that song. Uh, but I also that. just really like Zach and Mary Make a Porno. <laughs> right. <laughs> Zach and Mary Make a Porno did not make that song. That song was no... That, the, the Boba Fett song. That's still the best Kevin Smith movie ever made. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> this is our second time talking about porn in this episode. <laughs> Danny wants water. Hold on. Jessica's by the water dispenser. That's her side of the table. Yeah. Strawberry treasure. It's an Italian ice cup. It's a leftover Italian ice From cup. From Kona ice. So you were doing, you you were talking deep dive stuff. Because I, I did not uncover really anything in my deep dive this week the, with this uh, song. So I've been just enjoying learning from, from you, Dan. Okay, well... I have the wikis up here if you need them. If not, that's cool. Okay. In pop culture, Alvin and the Chipmunks covered the song as a bonus track on their 2007 video game, Alvin and the Chipmunks. (laughs) Well, in 96, on September 17th, 96, so hey, it was like four plus nine, 13, almost 13 years to the day when we saw Reliant K perform this song. This album had been released, Fashion Nugget. Um, it was produced by Capricorn Records. Kate considered the album more professionally produced than their previous, despite its raw sound. And the reception was again generally positive compared to their previous reception. Critics noted the broadening of Kate's sound with Joshua Green in, in the West Word, which I guess is some periodical, saying that the album spans a broad range of topics than did their last album with similarly similarly appealing results and the Dallas Observer said the gimlet the gimlet eye and sardonic humor of their previous album is intact but fashion nugget is well, aptly named it updates the previous album with beatboxy soul and hip hop rhythms the album's first single the distance which I feel like it said The Distance was the second single, so the different Wikipedia pages are conflicting, was written by Greg Brown who became and became the band's biggest 
hit to date and is considered their ubiquitous song. It hit number five on the RPM Alternative 30 and entered the modern rock tracks at top five. On the strength of the distance, Fashion Nugget was certified gold only two months later and platinum uh, the following April. Um, The second single on Fashion Nugget was a cover of Freddie Purden and Dino Frickus's I Will Survive. I kind of remember that being on the radio. It hit number 38 on the U.S. Modern Rock Tracks chart. Although the band described it as a serious take on the original, one they'd been playing live for years, original performer Gloria Gaynor considers it her least favorite version of the song due to the use of profanity. (laughs) Now we're talking about some the follow-up single to The Distance. (laughs) Nice. So I would also say, and in a different way, than like when ska. This also kind of leads to ska being on the radio, on big on the radio, like with Rivoli Fish and Mighty Mighty Boston's, right? Like this weird identity crisis that I feel you kind of had in the world. Oh, Danny, turn the radio off. <laughs> Between grunge, because grunge lasted a long time. Grunge lasted from like '91 in terms of its super mainstream success. Grunge kind of starts p- building up speed in mainstream in like 91, 92 and goes all the way up to like 96. And grunge bands obviously stick around throughout the late 90s. But by 96, as I was saying, you had kind of this slightly softer alternative rock that wasn't as grungy anymore. And then you get ska music and then you get swing music. So it's like the 90s was having an identity crisis. Until it got into what I think the late 90s is, and I forgot about this before I talked about rap rock. The late 90s, I think of as being, as in terms of rock, belonging to pop punk and rap rock. The, that's what I think like basically took over the radio and MTV in terms of rock in the late 90s, right? But for that middle ground from like 96 and 97, you have these weird sort of quirky bizarre sort of songs like almost like if they might be giants hadn't already had a couple of minor hits like they might be giants could have probably had a hit in 96 you know what i mean and obviously i'm a huge ska nerd but you know you are yeah but i acknowledge that ska's big mainstream success in like 97 96 97 and tailing off by 98 was a quirk it wasn't legitimate like i know that in the same way, like a band like Cake and these similar kind of bands just kind of were like flash in the pants, even though they have their backings, they have their fans, they have their cults, they're sort of stepping up into the limelight it was kind of like a quirk. It's like, the you know, just like stepping up to the plate for one one big game. That's the that's what Cake feels like to me. And that's what the entire genre of ska feels like to me and swing music. <laughs> Because, you know, after ska starts to sizzle out, swing music is all over. Okay, no, swing swing had a second coming. No, yes. It was swing revival in the yeah. 90s, but when its its mainstream success was even shorter-lived with... Uh, Alley Cat's Strike. <laughs> was that? It's a Disney Channel original. Oh, okay, right? yeah. As we both pause to drink our water. <laughs> yes. So what do you think of the song The Distance by Cake? You touched on it a little the bit. The Cake version. Mm-hmm. That's what I ta- actually that's all we're talking about right now. what I thought was was uh, is pretty good. I, I I dig it. I like the bass in this. I like that the that like guitar that they've mm-hmm. got going. Um, the horns are more subtle than they do in the Reliant K version, right. and I think that it works better for the song itself. Um, right. A lot's going on. But I like it. Um, I actually don't particularly care for the Reliant K version. Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. But the Reliant K version, they it, they mix the bass really low, so you don't have that really like great funky bass line going. You don't right. have that same feel. Yeah, this. They huh. don't do the same. It does not have the same feel with the guitars. I don't know how this. 
I don't know how the bass comes through from the phone into the microphone. Yeah. Like, it's really good. Like, you know, like, it, like yeah, I'm not sure how it'll come across on our mic. But yeah. the, it's just, it's mixed better. I also love, even though, and I'm not, I actually don't like this song that much. I just, Cake is a band that I actually, and I've kind of already didn't say this yet, although I've been very disparaging of the idea of cake, because I think... You're more of an ice cream guy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a pie guy. So, um, Cake is a band that, like, I tried to like, because if you're a fan of Weezer, or you're a fan of They Might Be Giants, Cake is a band that will often come up. I mean, nowadays it comes up in, like, more artists, like the artists you've been listening to. Cake will come up all the time. But even back in the 90s on the early internet... And just from discussions, people are like, oh, you like Weezer? You should check out Cake. Oh, you like Time Maybe Giants? You should check out Cake. So I tried to like Cake, and I never owned an album, but I did download them on, like, early Napster and later on FTPs. And I would listen to them, and it just wouldn't... It, it was one of those things where I listened to it and just not care to listen to it again. And it never connected with me that I just don't like them. <laughs> I just don't care for them. I don't get the whole aesthetic. There are things in the version of The Distance, you know, that I like, and I agree over... Ryan K's version. I actually love when the when the instruments come in. I like that moment. I literally like just <laughs> yeah. that. Just the <laughs> it's like there's this slightly loose drum sound when it kicks in. The drums tighten up a little after that, but there's mm-hmm. this as the song kicks in and then the bass kicks in. And that split second, I like that. But then I don't really like the rest of the journey that Cake takes us on with this song. It's just not a song I care for. I totally get why it is. I watched some live footage of Cake performing this song in 96, 97 at like radio festivals and stuff, right? Where people are like, Cake is probably one of like 20 bands that day. And then they start playing this song and all of these very 90s looking people are like, yeah, and they start really <laughs> dancing. They were probably just waiting for that song to kick in <laughs> right. the whole time for the whole like half an hour set and so people love this song and i'm not disparaging anyone who does who does it just doesn't float my boat and like at all like i really don't get any real enjoyment out of this song which is and funny. yet you chose it for our wedding well that's what i'm saying is is <laughs> even into by 2010 i was aware of cake and i was like well this is a band that i guess i'm supposed to like because they're on that quirky side of rock that i enjoy but uh, somewhere in the last decade I realized, wait a second, I kind of more, now I reevaluate. So at some point when I got Spotify or something, I would listen to Cake again and be like, wait, now I get it. I don't like this. <laughs> you know, I've, I'm talking about listening to the whole album. Mm-hmm. I listened to the whole album when I downloaded it off FTP in the early 2000s. I heard other songs than just the singles when I downloaded them <clears> Napster. And I didn't enjoy them. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll just keep these tracks around. And then I got Spotify and in the last 10 years, I would listen to Cake and I'd be like, I figured it out. I figured out why I never really, liked, why I never enjoyed these songs. I don't like this band. <laughs> I don't know any of their other songs. Would I have heard any of their other songs or is this their big song? This is their big song. Okay. I mean, I forgot about their cover of, um, their cover of, I just said it, I Will Survive. Oh no, not I, I Will Survive. I have not heard this uh, version of this song. So I get it. Like, they're funky and stuff. Like, I get why this is a band that people definitely enjoy. Just like I know that there are people who I've met in my life who hate They Might Be Giants. Not just tolerate them or think they're okay, but like legitimately hate them. I know like, you I married I one. I know. I'm just kidding. So they have other songs... <laughs> They have other songs that have the millions of plays. They have, I guess, is the cover of War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Okay, yeah. They have a song called Never There, which I think I sound sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. I recognize this song. I There's recognize that album cover, actually, but not... You still hear this on the radio once in a while. Maybe on K-Rock or um, what's that stupid channel that's a guy's name? Jack. Jack FM. (laughs) This is a song you still hear on the radio once in a while. And another song called Short Skirt, Long Jacket. Oh, yeah. I know this one. 
Okay. He couldn't tell from his very distinctive vocal style. <laughs> I didn't know that was cake, though. <laughs> See, that's that's the difference between you and me when it comes to music, or at least how I used to be when it came to music. Like, you would hear songs or whatever, Danny, and you would go out and immediately be like, I need to find this. How do I find this? How do I find this music? How do I get more of this music? I would hear a song on the radio and be like, yeah, I like that song, and listen to it whenever it came on the radio, and never think about it again when I was not in the car. See, now here are the other bands that Spotify recommends if you like cake. Presidents of the United States of America, Everclear, Soul Coughing, as I mentioned. They also have a monotone voice. Marcy Playground, uh, Ben Folds 5, Violent Femmes, They Might Be Giants, Weezer, Toadies, 311, OK Go, and Primus. Like Primus definitely would be in the grunge category. But those are all like quirky bands with a sense of humor but not comedy rock but they have a sense of humor and they're for like collegey nerds this is college (laughs) nerd music i guess when you say college rock it makes you think of rem and stuff and dave matthews band but when you say college nerd rock that's cake that's all the other bands i just listed it's this thing that's not it's pop rock it's not quite pop punk it's adjacent to it it's not quite grunge it's, I guess it's technically alternative, but it's like a softer kind of alternative. I mean, Primus is probably the heaviest band in that list that I just read. You're a softer kind of alternative? Thank you. Sounds like a like a fabric softener commercial or something. I don't know. So now, and you touched on it already, and I guess I can give my ideas on it. But yeah, mm-hmm. let's listen again to... Uh, Disaster by Reliant K. No, The Distance, because I typed in Reliant K Disc. So right off the bat, like Dr. Worm, which again, Cake and Dog and Dame of the Giants are kind of the same cloth in terms of geeky college rock. Mm-hmm. They've taken this sort of soft alternative song, softer alternative song, See, there's more and they turn of an it more emphasis. Into rock. Yeah, yeah. There's like, so much more of an emphasis put on the horns, especially now that we've done "Baby," and I realized that K for Karaoke tracks seem to be in two categories: "Transformed," like "Baby," and I'd have to look at some other songs to remember. But um, yeah, like "Baby" is a totally transformed song. But then you have "Doctor Worm" and "Africa." and uh, One Headlight and Crazy and probably most of these songs are Reliant K kind of literally does the song and just does the song and kind of does it in a, in a just way to the memory of the original song. Right. But just sort of turns up the distortion a little, mm-hmm. kind of pedal hoops gets in there a little bit more. But they kind of maintain the same rhythm. They don't do any adjustments. I mean, Baby was such a transformed version. I, I don't know of any other songs that they transformed of that much. It seems like everything else... It, this is just less funky. Yeah. It's 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 unfortunate because, I mean, as far as, in my opinion, they took what was fun about the original song and got rid of it. Mm-hmm. They took, like, what made the song unique and interesting and said, no, we're just going to do the, the, you know, slightly more pop punk version. It's very similar criticism what you're saying now to what basically I felt about the Dr. Worm cover. Mm-hmm. It's like you basically took the song and you just injected 20% more pop yeah. punk production. Yeah. You know what I mean? You didn't fully pop punk it, but you just put 20% more pop punk into it. So it kind of takes the, it takes the exact same skeleton of the song, but puts this other pop punk, punk, pop punk clothes on it, pop rock, pop punk clothes, like, you know, some warp tour, late warp tour kind of sound into it. And then that's what you get. So then you're like, well, what's the point? By the way, going back to earlier in the episode, when I said songs that they, that Reliant K covered a lot live and ended up on K for karaoke, you're the inspiration is one. Mm. You're the inspiration is a song that they used to do in the early two thousands in the first two or three records with Dave and Brian. Gotcha. And somehow that ends up waiting, you know, uh, what year are we talking about? That go for 11, 11 years. It, it ends up on K for karaoke. Yeah. I think it's just uh... like, you know what I'll say? And when we're not doing this song yet, but Reliant K's Africa is f***ing amazing. Yeah. It's the best version of Africa. It's the it's best way song on K for Karaoke. But they do the exact same formula 
that failed for the distance and sort of, and it fails for the distance a lot more i think mm-hmm. it failed for dr worm a little bit like the doctor the reliant is dr worm is okay it's just a slight inversion here the distance like totally fails yeah. the idea of the distance but you take that exact same idea of keeping the original tempo and the original structure and the original like arrangement of africa and it's amazing so for some reason it's a formula that doesn't guarantee success but it can have success because it worked with africa it doesn't work at all with the distance in our opinion and it only works a little bit with dr worm it's just not quite transformative enough because when you put this next to the original the mxpx you know cover uh, their covers album and you put it next to um Newfound Glory, all of the the Newfound Glory cover albums, where you they really they they do it really well. You know what I mean? But like they, they, transform, they transform they take it the song so much, and they metabol they metabolize the song, and then they give you the output of a totally different kind of song, like a song that sounds like MXPX and a song that sounds like Newfound Glory. Whereas in these cases, it sounds like most of the songs in K for Karaoke are just the exact same song just performed by Reliant K. There's yeah. there, there's purposefully no transformation. And I just thought of something. And that's boring. It's like when a band has lost the rights to their big hit. Any band exactly. in the history of rock has lost the yes. rights to their big hit. So they do a re-recorded version. And you go on Apple Music and Spotify and you pick like Def Leppard or like Rat or something. And it's their big hit. But it says 2008 re-recorded version yeah. because they re-recorded it <laughs> so that they could get some, like, because otherwise the streaming money doesn't go to them at all. It goes to the company that owns their song. Like the 2008 version, they get 100% of the money for that. MXPX has done the exact same thing. They re-recorded all of life in general for similar reasons. Real Big Fish recorded every hit and minor hit on The Best of Us for the rest of us. It's like Reliant K owned these songs but lost the rights to them so they just like re-record them straight up with the exception of baby which was a completely reconfigured song and it's weird because years earlier they did punko's 80s they did manic monday and they completely changed i mean not completely but they changed the song they did it in a like a more fun faster pop punk style well i mean that seems to be that's what and they, they wanted for that song exactly that's but when what they, they wanted sat for that album for karaoke it's like karaoke it's like they're literally making yeah. karaoke tracks of these songs which i don't want to be pessimistic because i think there are songs in that thing like i said africa and i think you're the inspiration and one headlight which are really fun to hear reliant k doing africa being the total a number one over the top like this is awesome one headlight and you're the inspiration just being like fun but then maybe you have this uh, is you have this sliding scale we should do one of those tier lists when we're done for all of the relying kk (laughs) for karaoke's not baby because baby like i said is a completely uh rearranged song so don't worry about that one but any song that's legitimately like this karaoke re-record thing we're talking about we have to say which one's did just relying K adding a little bit more distortion. Right. Which one elevated the song and which one was just blah. This and is, is that the why they went with like K for karaoke? They like, whereas I always just viewed it as a cute title. Like, did they think like, oh, we'll just do songs, but like mostly in their same style, like a karaoke track. Like when you go to karaoke and the songs are just slightly different, you know, because right. they're the weird instrumental, you know, computery generated version right. of the song right like was that the intention what was the intention to not go full-on you know transformative way they did manic monday maybe that was just the idea that this was the idea like we're just gonna do these songs we love and pretend that we're re-recording them because we lost the rights and like we are these bands let's be these bands let's not transform them Except Baby, which was the newest song that they do on this album, so they kind of purposely make it their own. They take... I, I keep coming back to it. I've said a hundred times already in the last ten minutes. But they did they did the Manic Monday thing with Baby, and then they don't really do that with 
almost any other track on this album. I could have even had them go further with Baby, though. Like, I, I, like they. I wish they had brought in to- Toby Mac yes. or John Rubin to do the yes. do the ludicrous part. Yes, but also I don't know. They just could have gone a little faster, a little more, whatever. Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, let's double check this because I did find some Reliant K playing. Sorry, Jessica I need another cup of tea. Has more tea ready. <laughs> I don't sleep well, all right. I need all the chamomile I can get. (laughs) Here is Reliant K playing this live in 2009. And I guess now, maybe you're the inspiration, having been a song they played as early as 2000. That is like a, here's a song that we loved playing for decades, Let's or a decade up to that point. Let's put it on Cave Karaoke. Sounds like, though, because The Distance came out just a year, they were doing The Distance two years before the cover album. They probably knew, hey, we're going to do a cover album eventually, and this is a song we're going to put on there. I just want to say that I, you're the one who, who sort of brought the idea of things being transformative in covers or whatever of songs that we cover. Right. It is not a thing I've ever thought about. I'm just like, yeah, you're doing a cover of the song, you do whatever, unless you're like a big band and you do it in your style. Right. Like, so, okay, so I, I, I don't really, you I, you, I'm like, I got that from you. I, 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 didn't I'm mean not, to I you. would never think about that. I didn't you know? mean to lead you wrong. I, I, you know what I mean? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally understand there. It, I agree. They're too true to the original while taking away certain elements that made the original special. That's sort of what fails this. But I'm just, I think my concept stands is that, yeah, sometimes covers are bad because they are too true to the original. But I just don't like acting like that's an absolute. You know, do you know what I mean? Do you know what we haven't gotten in a really long time and I'm what? really bummed out about it? Is those like really soulful female covers of Reliant K oh, songs. Yeah. We have not had any of those since like uh, very early on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm super bummed out about it. Maybe they all deleted their, uh, their videos because they knew we started. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here is Reliant K playing this song live in 2010 at Sun God, whatever Sun God is, uh, UCSD, University of Central San Diego. (laughs) What is UCSD? I'm asking Siri. University of California, San Diego, maybe? I don't know. Which sport? Uh, What is US... (laughs) What is UCSD? Not what I said. Siri is so bad. I've almost got it. It is the University of California, San Diego. There you go. Okay, so here they are playing at a Christian festival, which I guess is called Sun God. Weird. In 2010 in San Diego. It's just a weird name for a Christian festival. Like, I really want to go off on a Supergirl tangent, but I won't. (laughs) But we need your help. If you guys know it, and I think a lot of you guys know this song, it's like there's like gang vocals and stuff, and you guys look like a really cool gang that I'd want to like hang out with outside the five and dime. And uh, so yeah, this song is by a band called Cake, and uh, it's a bit of a rap song called The Distance. It's about driving race cars and stuff. I don't really know what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna try and play some trumpet and rap to you guys. Please, please, please help us. Okay. So he's singing through that vocoder thing, mm-hmm. the same, similar to what he used in uh, Live at Capitol Records, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I guess also, if we're talking about covers and which ones are transformed and which ones aren't, I don't think that thing matters when you're playing live, right? Like when you're seeing a cover live, you don't really care if it's transformed. Yeah. If it's transformed, it's fun. 
if it's not transformed, it's fun because maybe it's a song that you never would have seen live because it's like, oh, I like this song, but I don't like that band, so I would never go to it to see right. them in concert. Or if you could, you can't, you literally can't see the Ramones. So like, oh, they're doing a Ramones cover. Yeah, that would be awesome. So I mean, here they're playing it straightforward like a little bit more hard than the original song and it's a crowd pleaser it sounds fun it definitely sounds better live right now yeah. even on this 2010 phone video yeah than it does necessarily on case for karaoke um yeah i don't know that's uh oh and just i'm not gonna copy this audio in but here they are playing it here they are playing it in rev gen this is Nice, we were there. We're somewhere in that crowd watching yeah, this right nine. now. Look at that. It's a really bad... That last video from 2010 looked pretty good, whatever that 2010 phone was. This 2009 phone looks like garbage. This is really... <laughs> it also sounds worse, so I'm not going to copy it into the episode. I feel like when you pitched this to me for our wedding, I, I was probably you were probably like, you know, they did it oh. earlier this year at RevGen, and I was probably like, oh, okay, sure. Maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe that's why I was more in my head. Um, oh, by the way, in this 2009 version at RevGen, I didn't remember this, but uh, Tyson's going around the stage just holding the microphone, doing his proto collapsible lung routine. <laughs> Like that thing that we criticize when we watch collapsible long era videos mm-hmm. when he was trying to be more of a front man just holding a microphone and we're like, this isn't working. This is weird. <laughs> Here he is doing it in 2009 <laughs> while singing The Distance. He's not holding a guitar, not holding the trumpet, just kind of walking around holding the microphone. Doing his best nerd core rapper. Yeah. <laughs> so last thing I want to talk about, and I actually wrote down a bunch of covers, but we're not going to whatever who cares honestly like you can find them there's like one that somebody labeled as a ska cover it's literally not a ska cover like uh, i'm not they're, gonna... they're like well it has trumpets in it so if yeah. i do the trumpet it is a ska uh, cover. i don't know yeah i don't know if the band <laughs> is a ska band but then they just do a straight ahead version of uh. the distance and they labeled it ska cover there's literally no ska element to it there's no ska beat because at its core ska is the beat trumpet checkerboards uh <laughs> organ whatever that's all window dressing if you don't have the ska rhythm like even if you do it really fast like ska punk you have to have that ska rhythm upstrokes aren't even necessary it has to be that ska rhythm it has to be that offbeat that whatever it is what, what does fred armerson do in that simpsons sketch you know that's Sim- oh have you ever seen that nope. the uh portlandia sketch where you know the bart scott impson shirt have you seen that Bart, Bart yes. Scott Impson? Yeah. That's from an episode of Portlandia oh, where okay. Matt Groening himself is in the episode and he's suing these people who sell like bootleg Simpsons merch. Gotcha. And one of them is the Bart Scott Impson. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the judge is like, what's, so what's Ska? And he's like, yeah. and then Fred Armisen's character is like, you know, Ska, like, nt, 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 nt. and I'm like, <laughs> he, but he does it sort of like that. And I'm like, that sounds like, well, the way I just Club did it, music. it sounds like he does something weird. I'll just get it here. I'm going to just drop it in. <laughs> All right. The plaintiff is the creator of The Simpsons, Matt Groening, who's actually from Portland. Welcome. Uh, what is your claim? You're overruled. All right. You object, and I'll sustain or overrule the objection. Okay, I object. Overruled. Proceed. Your Honor, this guy has been making bootleg Simpsons merchandise. Bart Scampson. He is quite a scam. Scampson. Bart Scompson. Ska, like the music, Ska. 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 You know, Ska. I just thought it was Scamp misspelled. You don't know Ska? <laughs> like, that's such a weird way for it to... And he does this up thing with his hands. Yeah. I can't even do that. I can't... It was like, I would think... I would go like... Pick it up, pick it up. Pick it up, pick it up. That's what I would do for Scott. But he's like, I'm like, what the f*** are you doing? That doesn't sound like Scott to me. I tried to do it the first time just before we played that, and I made it sound like club music. So it's really, anyway. Why did I bring that up? I don't know. Oh, because of the ska cover. <laughs> you need that offbeat, that yeah. in-between the beat, that thing that Daniel called up one time and explained 
that it's like one and two and three and four and one and two. That's ska. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that in the music, it's not a ska cover. Someone just did the distance, called it a ska cover. <laughs> wrong. And it, there's also an 8-bit version. Do you want to hear that? Sure. Okay, well, we'll play the 8-bit version. Then there's some other like random bands, like a hard rock version, a country version. You get it. I don't. Th- th- I don't think we need to do the same kind of cover stuff that we do for regular episodes. But we'll play the eight-bit version. Here we go. I love it. It's good like stuff. It? I love it so it's much. It actually sounds like <laughs> you take the bones melody of this song. It actually sounds like Mega Man music. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like if you hear a Blink-182 <laughs> song in an 8-bit remix, you're not going to think for a second that this song This itself, sounds like something I, I you would hear. In, in an actual in, video game. Yeah, exactly. But you know what I'm saying? It's like if you hear an 8-bit Blink-182 song, for no t- at no point do you think, oh, this could yeah. have been in a video game. No, this song literally could have been in like a Mega Man game. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then the last thing, I guess we f- we sh- should have talked about this between talking about the Cake version and the Reliant K version, but I did pull up the Genius Notes. Mm. And my interpretation of this song forever, as much as I ever like interpreted the lyrics and took them in, was it was... And Genius has a whole nother thing that it's like a simile, a metaphor or something. But I thought it was just about a guy who runs a marathon and kind of sucks. I, my, th- my thought was it was this like slightly sardonic, um, sarcastic character piece as far as the song goes mm-hmm. about a loser, like a Napoleon Dynamite type character who's filled with confidence but actually is losing but it's still going the distance. I thought the song was more literal about he's running and racing and running and long ago someone left with the cup like the race has been long over, but he's such he's so he believes in himself so strongly despite being a loser that he s- continues and pushes and just goes for it and doesn't even worry that he's already lost. So I thought it was actually like a positive song in a way about like being a loser and being believing in yourself too strong to even believe that you've already lost. Genius has this whole other thing that it's a metaphor about a relationship. And maybe it is. Maybe there's more in the lyrics. But this uh, has with 35 upvotes. This contributor said, This song is about a man that falls madly in love with a woman and convinces himself that he has to be successful to win her affection. She once loved him in return, but he devotes himself to material success for so long in for so long in order to get her that he loses sight of the woman herself and winds up alone, pushing towards success with long hours. In the end, she was just she just wanted someone who cared for her, while he was more concerned with proving himself to make her happy, so that he is left lonely in the tower of his accomplishments. I'm like, okay. Like, okay. I literally... I, that's, like, almost... That, that's, like, a more depressing right. story than what I believed. So, reluctantly crouched. The lyrics are reluctantly crouched the starting line. Engines pumping, thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. He yearns for the cup. They definitely maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild. Deport through the turns. Prowess and potent. It's very poetically written song. Uh... As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they go out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down, the moon has gone up, and long ago someone left for the cup. But he's still driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. Hmm. So the only thing in there so far that even implies this is about a relationship is that last line. Yeah. But I literally just thought this was a positive song, like I said, about a Napoleon Dynamite type guy who's a loser but believes in himself too strongly to know he's a loser. Um, 
earlier tonight, you told me the song was about a marathon runner. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. And Matt Thiessen even said that in the little opening. He said, he said uh, he's like, this like is about- a race car driver. Oh, okay. yeah. It's definitely not about a race car driver because he's always been, well, he's hugging the turns, which is a kind of odd thing to say about someone running, although I guess you would hug the turns if you're running. Yeah. But, um, reluctantly crouch at the starting line, engines pumping and thumping in time, which I thought the engines pumping and thumping in time was like their heart, basically. Mm-hmm. Churning and burning the definitely maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. They pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent, secretly stern. See, this... I mean, it could be any of these. Yeah, it literally, there's, like, I thought, like, the talk about engines and tanks was, like, talking about you know, the stomach and the heart. Like, I right. thought those were metaphors. Because this is, now reading out of this out, reading these lyrics the first time, this is a very well-written poetic. So this could, this is a poem, which is surprising. <laughs> like, this is actually a poem. It doesn't need, some, you know, some lyrics aren't really don't really work outside of the structure of a song like this could jack kerouac could read this and it would work you know what i mean with no i mean really the lead i mean the cake guy anyway he's basically just reading it he barely sings Mm -hmm. so he's going the distance she's all alone in a time of need because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course he's fighting he's going the He's and riding his horse. See, he's riding a horse, so I think it could be any kind of race. No trifle, no flowers, no flash bulbs, no wine. He's haunted by something he cannot define. Bowel shaking earthquakes of doubt and remorse assail him and pale him with monster truck force. In his mind, he's still driving, still making the grade. She's hoping in time that her memories will fade because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course. Okay, so there is a little bit more about the girl. So it is about a guy who's like, dest- who just is working and working and working to succeed. And there is a woman who's being left alone. The sun's gone, same thing. He's going the distance because he's plotting. And, yeah, and that's it. There's only like, except for the, because it's a chorus and a pre-chorus that repeat a lot. And in terms of story, you've just got verse one and verse two that really detail the story. She's so vaguely mentioned in the song, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he's never really concerned for her too much, although he has the bow. He's having the remorse and stuff. He's like, was this worth it or something? Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. That now it sounds like that genius. I mean, everyone seems to agree with that genius interpretation. I still like my interpretation. Right. But I don't know. I like your interpretation, too. Yeah. Because you had a whole thing you wanted to talk about uh, marathon running. <laughs> oh, right. And we'll end on that. Because I've done, Jessica has done lots of, well, I guess a marathon is a specific distance. But I've done half marathons. Jessica's done half marathons, and we did. Was Beta Breakers a full marathon? Mm-mm. What was that? Uh, that was a 12K. 12K. So I've done a couple of runs with Jessica. We've done the awesome 80s run. Yeah, you did. we did the 5K. Yeah, of the and awesome I've done 80s some run. little runs. And then we did Beta Breakers in San Francisco, where you actually cross the San Francisco Peninsula from one end, from the bay, from the, in, the interior part of the San Francisco Peninsula out towards the the coast to the ocean and you cross a whole section of the city and i did it because they mention it in the room by tommy wiseau and and in like when people are like talk about how weird and dumb the room is sometimes people will be like what the hell is beta breakers what does that mean it's like that's literally a thing you know what i mean there are certain things that people will criticize. It's a thing the- that you're, you're not super familiar with if you don't live in San Francisco or if you're not yeah, like a runner. But just because it's a local reference doesn't... And just because most of the room is ridiculous and crazy and dumb, that's not a moment. And and you hear people be like, oh, is that, I mean, that's stupid. No, it's act- they're actually talking about <laughs> a specific thing to the city there's, it's set in. So because they mentioned it in the room... And it's in the Disaster Artist book, but not in the movie about the making of the room. They, uh, Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero did Beta Breakers one day, and it's an amazing chapter in the book because Greg Sestero gets back to San Francisco and he gets off the plane, and Tommy, because Tommy Wiseau was literally his friend, he's his weirdest friend, but he's his friend, he picks him up from the airport and he takes him straight to Beta Breakers. He has no idea he's doing this. He just he's just gotten home from a trip and he's like we're we are going to a, something, you know, whatever. And he takes him to a to a 12k race. He's like we're we're doing this. He's in flip-flops cuz he took more flip-flops on the plane, Greg Sestero. So he's not prepared for this. But Beta Breakers is not 
just a race. Like people do use it for qualifying for national things, but it it's a party. It's crazy. Yeah, because you can like literally just you could just walk the whole thing and stop off at house parties, and like people will just be people or, like, run locals. naked. Like yeah, and because there's yeah yeah you it, can it's you can it's le- you can legally be naked. Yeah. And then in certain sections, like homeowners like come outside and they have like, you know, barbecue stuff set up or they hand out beers or whatever. Yeah, you go like, through. It's like a big You actually pass thing. some college, uh, yeah. what do you call them? Uh, like frat houses. Frat houses, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like, oh, and I had one more thing to say about the room <laughs> and then we're done. There's one other thing in the room that people think is thrown in there with all of the dumb, stupid stuff that makes no sense, but it's actually true. It's when he's telling the story of how he met Lisa and how he's like, he had just arrived in the city and he was having all this trouble trying to like find a place to live or something. And that's when he met her. I don't remember the actual story, but he mentions that he has a check that he can't cash because it's an out of state check. And people will be like, that's so stupid. That doesn't know. That's actually a real thing, <laughs> especially because he's probably talking about the eighties at that point, that is 100% a real thing. Like, you couldn't... Certain banks... Nowadays, we have more of a national bank system. But in the 80s and maybe into the 90s, like, some banks wouldn't cash checks by other banks, especially if you didn't have an account there. Right. So people hear that. And they and I think, like, even the Rift Tracks thing, he says, oh, it was out-of-state check. And then one of the Rift Tracks guys goes, which isn't a thing. And I'm like, no, literally, that is a thing. <laughs> It's just because no one has heard about it in context of modern day in the last 20, 30 years. They think it's a dumb thing Tommy was so made up, but it's not. Welcome mm. to Cinema Cataclysm. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You keep banging on the table Sorry. and making everything I'm passionate. Like reverberate. I'm passionate when I talk about the room. <laughs> so I've gone the distance. I've gone from the bay to the breakers. Yes, yes, it you have. It was a tough day, but we did it. Yeah. The worst part was when we realized we had no way back to the other side of the peninsula. Yep. And it took us hours to get back because we weren't going to walk all the way back. Oh. And everyone took all that. There was a huge line for taxis. Yeah. And we were covered in sweat. Yeah. Oh. We had to take like the bar. We had to take the train. And so what I should have, what, sh- what we should have done, because what we should have done if we ever do beta breakers again, if they ever allow it in a post-COVID world, whenever it happens, my suggestion is you try to park your car somewhere by the finish line, and then you take a taxi or public transportation back to the starting line, where the engines yeah. are pumping and rolling yeah. the time. And then when you get <laughs> to the early end, in the morning, you can get in your then, car. Yeah. Because that weekend, I scheduled it very, very stupidly. <laughs> We literally checked out of the hotel and went to the race. And I'm like, oh, we have no way to shower now. Nope. We, have we had to, to get drive in the car eight hours and drive home eight to hours LA. Covered in sweat. Yep. <laughs> that was a horrible idea. We actually thought about going to a gym and asking for a day pass just to shower. And yet we did not. We just drove back. I was willing to do it. I think Jessica was like, no, I just want to get in the car and leave because <laughs> we'd already had such a bad time getting back from the finish line. But we Another the thing, distance. if they have in a post-COVID world, which of course they will, because Disney loves money, um, Disney races are a ton of fun and absolutely worth the money. I've done um, Star Wars and Marvel, mm-hmm. and it is really, really cool to like run through the through the castle. That's a yeah. lot of fun. It's seven in the morning when yeah. there's no one but a couple employees walking around. Yeah, it's a lot I of fun. And they open up like back areas and stuff. It's I would love to do them in in uh, Florida, in Orlando, because you would never have to leave Disney property where here, like the the uh, the half marathon ones are kind of killers because like it's amazing when you're in the park but then they're like, well, damn, we don't know where else to send you. So they just send you along the road. <laughs> and you're like, Anaheim. oh, this is less fun because you're just running down the streets of Anaheim. But like, I would imagine that in Orlando, it's like super well done because yeah. you never have to leave Disney property. People do 12Ks just walking around the park all day. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the distance. Let's go get some cake. I don't know. That's the episode. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-na-na-na-na. <laughs>